2: craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radios iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free
3: this is the lombardi line with former nfl executive michael lombardi now here's your host stormy Vonatoni on VSN, the sports betting network
4: Boy, oh boy, does the NFL just continue to show it is a week-to-week league, but are we starting to separate some of the contenders from the pretenders? Welcome into this Monday edition of the Lombardi Line alongside former NFL GM Michael Lombardi, Stormy and Tony, with you as we wrap up a week seven in the NFL with Monday Night Football later on tonight, 49ers visiting the Vikings in prime time, but a crazy day yesterday, Michael, and gotta give uh, the round of applause, credit where credit is due, 3-0 on your Official picks yesterday, which included two underdogs that end up winning outright. Tomlin's just going to keep Tomlin'ing, I guess, from that standpoint. Really, 4 0 no if you count <laughs> Seattle amazing. in there, too.
5: It's amazing how they just play ugly, play ugly, play ugly. And then in the fourth quarter, Pittsburgh just finds a way to win the game. I'm not sure if McVeigh would have had a timeout remaining. They would have won the game, but they didn't, and they couldn't challenge. I'm not sure, Stormy, if you watch the spot. I don't know how that could possibly have been the spot, but you know, if you get if you had Pittsburgh and and got three or three and a half. I mean, there were some shops that was three and a half. Pittsburgh scores 21 points in the fourth quarter. In the second half, I mean, you know, and so and then they end up getting what they do in the second half. They got uh, they have 11 first downs in the the fourth quarter alone. So they got some momentum. They got stronger. We talked about Deontay Johnson helping out Pickens. I think that was true. And they wore down this Ram team that that rush was really tough for Stafford to handle. They couldn't convert a third down the second half.
4: Yeah, so anybody that was following Michael yesterday had a good day. And if you listen to my teaser play, you were screaming at the television yesterday because I could have had a nice day <laughs> had the Bills just finished that rally and not let Mac Jones, of
5: all people, about that one. go
4: the length of the field and score a go-ahead game winner with 12 seconds left, Michael. What are, what are we doing if we're Buffalo right now? The, the AFC is mayhem. Well, we're, we're,
5: it really is. But look, there's one team that said, Oof, we're for, there's two teams that are for real. Kansas City's a real defense, and they showed it offensively. Mm -hmm. What Brendan Staley was doing defensively, we'll need a Senate investigation committee to go into this on how Travis Kelsey can just run freely down the field. (laughs) I'm not sure how this happens, but it does. And then, of course, Baltimore. I mean, Lamar Jackson told America he's the MVP in the league with that performance. Four start, four times he touches the ball in the first half, four touchdowns, one drive, starts at his own eight and goes down the field, has to overcome a, a first and 20. And they still get, t- still get points. And really humiliated Detroit, kind of put them back in place a little bit, which I think will be the best thing for the Lions anyway. And I think there are two teams in the AFC now that are really, really good, some vying comp- for the spot. The, the West has already been declared. Hand out the hats and T shirts. Uh. The your Kansas City Chiefs are the are the AFC. What? Mahomes is now twenty nine and three straight up against the AFC West?
4: His, his record against the division is ridiculous, Michael. And it's funny. I was talking to our producer, Elliot, before the show. How often? It's like every single offseason, we come into the year talking about which team is going to upset the apple cart in the AFC West and knock the Chiefs off of this pedestal because it feels like on paper this could be so competitive. And, da, 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 and then, no. Like, let's just,
5: <laughs> yeah,
4: let, no, let's just say what it is. And it's the Kansas City Chiefs are better than the rest. There is a big margin from that standpoint. And it was great, I think, yesterday as you referenced there, that for a team whose defense has largely carried the load to start this season, we saw the offense come on uh, about as perfect as a first half as Patrick Mahomes could have. The one off-target ball he had did get picked, but, I mean, the, the yardage, the touchdown production, just remarkable from from Kansas City from that standpoint. And to go back to what you said about the Ravens, um, they put the NFL on notice. Lamar Jackson put the NFL on notice. They wrecked the Lions in this spot. 38-6 to the final, winning and covering easily. We talked a lot yesterday on the show about all of the woulda, shoulda, coulda from a point production and red zone efficiency standpoint for the Ravens. It is remarkable what can happen when guys are catching the football for our guy here.
5: No question. And and let's just jot this down. No more, no longer do I want to hear about the return from London creating problems. Okay. Let's just, can we eliminate this for good? Yeah, The Jacksonville Jaguars come back from London and they dominate the Colts, dominate the Colts. The Baltimore Ravens come back from across the pond and dominate the Detroit Lions. So I don't think we should worry about the travel as much as the media makes us worry about the travel or we think we worry about the travel. I mean, these two teams flied across the country, played their best games of the season, really, in all honesty, and and it didn't affect them coming back at all. And, look, if you're going to play overseas, which I think is great, the formula is go over there early, but you can get back in time to have a good week the next week. So Baltimore was just, to me, the dominant team, and they made a statement. They're finally healthy, and they took the game over. It was impressive to watch. Kansas City benefited from... You know, look, let's face it, Staley – and every, every time you watch this Charger team, you're holding on. You're just holding on because you don't know what to get. I mean, they, when they give up over 27 points, their record's 6-23 and 23 with Staley. When they give up fewer than 27, they're 21-5. and five. I mean, you just knew that. I, I, even though I I thought the, the, the Chargers at 5.5 were a good play – I never felt like they were going to cover that game, even when it was only 24-17. But they didn't score a point in the second half,
4: Stormy. Well, which actually brings me to, from a betting perspective, what a brutal beat that is for anybody that had the over in this game. 41 points were scored in the first half, Michael. 41 in a game with a total of 48 and a half in the undercashes.
5: Yeah, can you imagine that? <laughs> like, I mean, and it rough. wasn't even close. Like, like. Like I, Herbert for six six gets more balls batted down than anybody, and I'm I'm tell you something. About, I'll tell you this about Herbert. Herbert, if he were playing in in any other city but Los Angeles, where nobody really pays attention to the Chargers, other than that lady who I'm convinced must be a paid actress now, because now she had a Buffalo Wild Wings hat on at the Chief game. All of a sudden, she's going to ra- Charger games on the road. She's getting promotional deals now. Something fishy about that, Stormy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if Herbert's second halves have been a disaster, when they need him to make a play, he hadn't made a play. Like, I love the kid. I think he's underachieved. He's probably more – the reason I think that line was so big, and I didn't figure this out, it was stupidity on my part, is because I think the book thinks he's hurt. And he didn't make good throws. I mean, he's got Allen wide open in the end zone. He tries tries to throw a Sandy Koufax fastball at him. I mean, it was really weird. And they're not good on defense. For all this conversation, they got Khalil Mack. They got Joey Bosa. Tell me when those guys step up and make a play. I mean, how many times is Mahomes going
4: to scramble for first downs in the game? They have a very expensive defense. Just uh, the the production that, that's certainly what they hasn't have. There.
5: That, that, that's exactly what they have. What was Mahomes had four carries for twenty nine yards. Every one of those carries probably got first downs.
4: 424 yards passing on the day, four touchdowns. Uh, Travis Kelsey stays hot on National Tight Ends Day, by the way. So good for him. <laughs> 12 catches on 13 targets, 179 yards and a touchdown, which was a little sketchy holding the ball over his head, but but he gets in. Um, it was just all around all around dominance from the Kansas City Chiefs, and we, and all this to say, we still haven't even really touched on the Sunday Night Football primetime game, Michael, and what the Eagles were able to yeah. do pulling ahead there in the fourth quarter against the Miami Dolphins. This Miami team that has been known for its explosiveness offensively, that has been dominant running the football this year. They're held to what 45 yards or so on the ground in this game. Philadelphia just handling business on the O line and D line this game.
5: Well, I I think this game revealed a lot about Miami's offensive line, which you and I have talked about all year about the weaknesses and how McDaniels hides the line. And he, and he does and he's done a good job but he can't hide it they set the edge in the run game on the outside they dominated inside they put a lot of pressure on him i mean his longest play of the day was 29 yards you know to uh tyreek hill uh you know he had a 27-yard touchdown pass but you never felt like he was really in rhythm because the pressure was bothering them. And even though the Eagles didn't play their A game, they still, had, they still won convincingly. I mean, let's face it, this Eagle defense held Miami to 10 points.
4: Well, and you you talk about the pressure bothering Tua. Like, this was the Philly defense, like, wasn't doing anything crazy. It was actually their lowest blitz percentage of any game this season, just their standard rush excelled. They're playing zone defense, two high safeties, but they made tackles, didn't allow any of those yards after catch, yards after contact. It was like they were just doing everything, like, the little things right. And that was enough to stifle this Miami offense.
5: It was. And they said basically, you're going to have to. They set the edge on both sides in their cover too. They said, you're going to have to beat us trying to run the ball inside. They knew the matchups favored them one on one. You know, whether Lamb's not a very, you know, Lamb's a backup left tackle, had a start. Isaiah Wynn gets hurt. They have to go to Lester Cotton. That's not working out for them. And so they, you know, they're struggling with their front to get any physicality. And look, they've got dynamic receivers. But the reality of football is if you're good in the defensive line, you're going to control a good offense. And they got held to 205.1 yards per play. I mean, this was humil—this was kind of like they came back to earth. And I thought the Eagles would control the ball. They did almost 37 minutes in the game. But last time, when, the, when they played the Giants, they had the ball 24 minutes, the Dolphins, and they had 524 yards. This game, they had the ball 23 minutes and 17 seconds and had 244 yards. Big difference.
4: Yeah, and we talked yesterday about what Buffalo did well when they played Miami and getting Tua Tungovailoa on the ground, had four sacks in that game. The Eagles defense gets gets his jersey dirty. Three sacks, six quarterback hits against Tua. And again, it kind of presents that finesse versus physicality and how the physicality of the Eagles won out. The Dolphins' five wins this season. You look who they've beaten. The Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Giants, Panthers teams with a combined record of eight and 25 and then you get your doors blown off two teams that Buffalo went healthy very physical defensively the Eagles do what they did yesterday so kind of raises the question of what can we expect from Miami moving forward so I think we've got a lot of big picture AFC conversation you can stay the same in the NFC as well and who really is the best of the bunch um, per this early conversation Kansas City certainly the cream that's rising to the top of the crop there we're going to step aside our first time out of this day, but so much more recapping a busy day in the NFL when we come back.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 infinity QX 80. This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatone, on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. You'll get a daily email recapping all of the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to the vsin.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. You can check the top VSIN experts leaderboard as well to view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VSIN expert has the hot hand for VSIN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus. 24-7 video access. Become a Vison Pro subscriber. Sign up today for just $19 for your first month at vison.com slash subscribe. Our guy Michael Lombardi had the hot hand yesterday and like the last three weeks been on a pretty solid run here, Michael. We were just finishing a conversation on the, the Miami Dolphins and Philadelphia Eagles who went head-to-head yesterday. Eagles win 31-17. Pulling away there in the fourth quarter. Credit the defense. We talked a lot about that. But Michael, one thing we didn't bring up which i feel like we have to every single week is just how unstoppable the brotherly shove is it's remarkable yeah. how good they are at this and nobody can do anything about it
5: no and they you know they, they their pad levels incredible the one play they got the, the offsetting penalty call i mean it w- it wasn't offsides on the eagles they they weren't offside They They're the, the, the Dolphins were, but they weren't. And they stay low, and they continue. Like, what you see from them is the back, the back two players push hurt, and he keeps his feet moving, where some of these teams, you don't see them stop. And their pad levels, it's really well done by their line coach and Kelsey and their inside players. They're well coached, and it's well executed. Look, to me, I never thought you could aid the runner from pushing him from behind. I thought that was illegal. I obviously I learned something in football it's not illegal to me that's the conversation you shouldn't you know they should be, should be allowed to do it is are you allowed to push the runner and for a league that prides itself on safety is this really safe
4: that is a big question but all I know is that head coach Nick Sirianni made his request to the masses to absolutely not ban this play take a listen First and nine every down. You know every first down is first and nine. Um, knowing that if you get the fourth, the fourth and one, um, shoot a lot of faith in that play.
5: Um, just be, you know, yeah. So um, it, it was awesome. Again, just. <laughs> Jason Kelsey starts it off. Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, is right there. You know, haven't been able to drive because you've seen it, right? You've seen it across the league that people can't do it like we can do it. They can't do it like
3: we can do it. and uh, And so I'm making my plug right there. Like, don't don't ban this play. Like if everyone could do it, everybody would. Where's the camera? If everybody
4: could do it, everybody would do it. Staring down the camera. If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. But he's right. It is. It becomes first and nine. Just move yeah. the sticks. You know they're going to get it. And if you are a Jalen Hurts fantasy owner or if you back him for any time touchdowns, you are just living on, on cloud nine. Yes, please. Please go down at the one yard line so the Jalen Hurts can punch it in. Uh, it's just it's it's remarkable what they've been able to do there. Um, Hurts has 16 one yard rushing touchdowns since 2020 tied with Zeke Elliott for the most in that time. Um, okay, let's go on to Patriots bills, Michael, because again, this is just the, the soul crusher for me and my favorite teaser of the day yesterday. Patriots win outright as a seven and a half point dog. We saw the line moving that way toward New England with that going down from nine and a half to seven and a half. And for Bill Belichick, win number 300, just the third coach yeah. to reach that mark in NFL history.
5: Yeah, congratulations to the coach. I never saw it coming, to be honest with you. I I thought for sure it would be a romp. But look, Buffalo is an imperfect team right now. Losing Milano hurts them. Losing Daquan Jones hurts them. Losing Tredarius White hurts them. So they lose three legitimate high-paid starters on their team, and that kills their defense. And then when you combine into it that they're not playing from in front, slow starting over in London – didn't really work out for him. Played from behind in that game, Jags win. They play the Giants, and the Giants, only because of their ineptitude in the goal line in red zone situations, lose the game, or else they lose that game 14-9, right? The Giants have a chance at the end of the half. They don't do it, and then at the end of the game. So, And then the, the Patriots, a team that has played behind all season, a team that has rarely scored over 20 points all season, puts up 29 and does it in the last last f- fourth quarter, they end up dominating the game. They get 10 first downs, they run 19 plays, and they take over the game. They get the ball with a minute 58 to go in the, ha- in the game, and they drive it the length of the field, and the, they can't do anything about it. Buffalo can't make a play. I mean, you almost wonder, you know, I know we talk so much about some of these star players, but you, you never even heard Von Miller's name yeah. called the entire day. Like, you never saw him on the field. Like, I don't think he was credited for a single tackle or a pressure in the game, and maybe he's not healthy. So there's something, to me, there's something there with their team. They can't play from in front. Allen's spectacular, and some of the plays he made, Stormy, were remarkable. I mean, he could have easily been sacked ten times, mm-hmm. easily, and he got out of them. Yeah.
4: Uh, they've been just really, really up and down this season, um, one and two over the stretch, three poor performances overall, but to your point, largely because of all of the injuries that they have on the defensive side of the ball, so it raises the question. I mean, I know we have a segment on the show that we do every now and then called Panic or Patience. Do we think that the Bills are going to be able to work their way out of this, the trade deadline just a week away? Do they go out and get somebody to try to, you know, like re-pump up that side of the football? How are you approaching this if you're Buffalo?
5: You know, I said this on the on the, uh, GM Shuffle today. I, I kind of think I get the sense they won't be courageous. I think they'll be desperate. I really do. Von Miller played six plays in the game. Why he was dressed to just play six, I don't know. Maybe he got re-injured. But they're going to have to do something to shore up their defense. Look, they're not going to find Matt Milano out there. And they're going to have to overpay. You're going to have to overpay for a trade in this market. I mean, when, they, when the Rams traded for Von Miller, He wasn't going to re-sign with Denver. They were going to get a compensatory pick, so they ended up getting way better than a compensatory. That's what it's going to take to make a trade, and I think Buffalo has to try to do something to help their defense. Their defense just isn't good enough right now. Obviously, that's an understatement, and their offense is not good enough to make the mistakes they make and play from behind.
4: And, and, and that's what's happened to them.
5: It really does.
4: Short week to try to get back on track but a potential get right opportunity having the Tampa Bay Buccaneers be your opponent on Thursday night football coming up next week. Bill's an early seven and a half point favorite in that one. Um, another unexpected result. The Browns end up winning but this is not the way that I don't think anybody saw this game going. 39-38 final. They win but don't cover the three and a half. Total goes over 40. Ends up being the highest scoring game game of the day, which again, I for sure did not have on my bingo card with this Browns defense and how stout yeah. that they have been so far this season. But they lose to Sean Watson, end up rallying compliments of Miles Garrett and a fourth down score from the goal line from Kareem Hunt to get the win in this game. Watson's one of five with an interception before he leaves the game in the second quarter, took a big hit, nearly threw a second interception of the game on the play, goes incomplete. But held out the rest of the game, Michael, despite clearing concussion protocol, Kevin Stefanski says he wants to protect is franchise quarterback, but if, if I'm a Browns fan or somebody who backed the Browns laying the points here, I cannot stand Deshaun Watson this season.
5: No, and he's not a franchise quarterback. I mean, let's be clear here. I mean, the way he played yesterday, he didn't get benched because of the concussion or saving him. He got benched because he wasn't really ready yeah. to play. He has a look of a player not interested. You know, and he didn't seem like he was practiced all week. And we know he did. His first pass of the game was a joke. I mean, it was in the dirt. The guy's wide open. He doesn't even throw it to him. Throws it in the dirt. I mean, it was really bad. If I'm a Browns fan, I've got we've got a really good team. The defense didn't play well yesterday, but they made enough plays to win. But this Deshaun thing is going to haunt them forever. We've seen two major trades for quarterbacks. And both teams probably are regretting it. They won't say they're regretting it in Cleveland, but they have to be based on his performance. And they're definitely regretting it in Denver. But this game, everybody wants to talk about in this game, all the Colts, they got robbed by the officials, the two bad calls at the end of the game, yada, yada, yada. No, your head coach lost the game for you. Your head coach gave the game away. Your head coach decided that, you know, he was not – he didn't care about being a head coach. He was more interested in being a play caller. That's all he cared about. And so when you look at the end of the first half – I don't know if you saw this game, Stormy. This is a clinic on how not to lose a game or how to lose a game. Let me put it that way. So he gets the ball back. The, the, the Colts, I'm talking about. This is where, this is the underlying current that just drives me crazy. And I know he's a really good play caller, yada, 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 all that stuff. But as a game, as a situational coach, it's a really disastrous. So he gets the ball back with 154 to go. The Browns have two, the Browns have two time, have two time, three timeouts left. He runs the ball, he throws a pass on first down. And Minshew gets sacked. So they go from their own 11 to their own 5, okay? And Cleveland calls a timeout. Now, we know Cleveland's going to start calling their timeouts, so perhaps... You know, we should do something about it. We're going to have to go to the next break because I can't finish this all. But it's just a disaster how he managed the end of the second half. Not only does he give up seven, he gives up a field goal. He gives up ten points with his play calling at the end of the half.
4: We can break this down a little bit. We got Thomas Gable coming up with us as well. But, yeah, it just it doesn't always come down to those plays that we want to blame the officials on, although that's what it feels like in the moment. The middle eight is so critical every week.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatone, on VCEN, the Sports
5: Betting Network.
4: With all four major sports in action, there's no better time of year to be a sports better. And with our new sports Equinox special, no better time to be a V-CIN Pro subscriber. Sign up now and get full access to v Pro. Everything we do through May 1st for only 120 bucks. That includes daily best bets, unlimited access to our betting splits, plus all our exclusive betting content for the rest of the Major League Baseball playoffs, college football, NFL, March Madness, the NBA and NHL regular seasons, as well as the NFL draft coming up next summer. Don't miss this. It's a limited time. Time offer. Vsn. slash subscribe. That's how you sign up.
3: The appointments are lined up. You waiting for somebody in there? An appointment, and it's not about what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. It's not uh-huh. personal. It's strictly business it's time. You and me at a private talk. We're step into my office. And step into my office with Michael Lombardi, Mr. Lombardi. We'll see you now.
4: The eleven fifteen Pacific Time appointment. Coming in to see Michael Lombardi today is Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions, still the favorite for coach of the year in the NFL. After getting off to a red-hot 5-1 start, Michael, this team got brought down to earth real quick yesterday to the tune of a 38-6 blowout loss to the Baltimore Ravens. By the time the Lions converted their first offensive first down, they were already down 28-0. Dan Campbell's taking a seat at the desk, Michael. He asks you, how can we get back on track? How can we remain a contender in the NFC? What are you telling him?
5: First of all, Coach Campbell, I think what you got to realize is you you walked into a a storm and you got punched in the mouth and things move forward out of your control. It's one game. It happens in the NFL. You've played in the league you know. But how you react to this is really going to determine your team. You can't let this loss beat you twice. So it happened. You coach about it. You talk about it. But as an executive, as someone who's overseeing the program, you've got to understand why it happened. And then you've got to make sure that you prepare yourself so it never happens again. And whether it's change your coverage, whether it's try to add a player, develop a player, because there's a little bit of a formula on how teams are going to want to attack you based on what Baltimore did. Because really, Baltimore didn't beat you with Lamar running. He had nine carries for 36 yards in the game. They beat you with the passing game, and people are going to try to duplicate that passing game against you. Protecting against Hutchinson and attacking your coverages. So to me, it's really you got a cheat sheet. It's the greatest thing that could happen to you. Take that cheat sheet, prepare your team, work on your weaknesses and know that you're a good team and avoid these things and strengthen your weaknesses and move forward. But don't let the loss beat you twice.
4: If anybody will have the energy right in the locker room, I feel like it's Dan Campbell. So we'll see if they can get back on track this coming week. How about Josh McDaniels? We were just talking about everything that went wrong for the Raiders this past week. It has been an uphill battle this season. They end up losing to a rookie quarterback from D2 Ball in his first start yesterday. Conversely, elect to go with Brian Hoyer over the rookie Aiden o'connell without jimmy garoppolo available in this game o'connell still has to step in anyways but they couldn't run the football lots of issues michael it's hard to have this sit down with josh i know you're very close to this organization but it still needs to be had what are you saying to josh mcdaniels today
5: well i think the greatest thing you have going for you josh right now is the fact that you gotta buy you have a little bit of a time you have a de- you have a, some time off before your next game And I think what you really need to do is sit down and say, okay, we got to have an honest conversation with ourselves. Like, why is the running game not working? Is it we're in too many two-back formations? Are we not doing what we need to do? But we've got to figure this out because if we can't run the football, we're not going to be effective no matter Aiden O'Connell plays or Brian Hoyer plays or whoever plays. It's just not going to work. And you now have an extra day, and I think you've got to have a restart button And you've got to kind of look at this team and say, okay, what do we need to do? You need to tackle way better. It's one of the worst. You're one of the worst tackling teams in all of football. Like every five-yard game becomes 12. Every three-yard game becomes seven. Every negative play becomes four. You just got to have to do a better – we're going to have to work on tackling. Go back to basics. But I think a lot of this has to come back to how do you solve your offensive issues? You've got to do a better job on drive starters. You can't constantly run the ball on first and 10. And we've got to stop playing for three downs and control the football to protect our defense or protect our quarterback. We've got to throw the ball up the field. We've got to make chunk plays. We can protect the quarterback, but we're going to have to make some chunk plays doing it. And I think that's got to be the concern. And you've got to take this extra day, send the players home. It's not about more practice. It's about figuring out what we need to do to fix what we have and if you're going to have to be adaptive to change when i was at the raiders i had a sign in my office if you don't like change you're going to like irrelevance even less i think after seven games three and four not having a hundred yard game rushing that if you're not going to change what you do in your approach you're going to become irrelevant and i would urge you to have the time to do it now
4: Speaking of three and four, that's what the Washington Commanders fell to this weekend after an ugly 14 to seven loss to the Giants. How much longer does Ron Rivera have in Washington as he steps into your office today? Michael, their win percentage, 428 win percentage right now this season is the same as the overall mark for Ron Rivera with the Washington Commanders in his tenure. As he walks into the office, are we thinking that his job is salvageable? What are you instructing him? What's the message to Rivera at this point in the season?
5: Well, look, Iran. you know, I don't know. You've played in the league. You've been around football a long time. I don't know if you're watching the games or not, but your quarterback's getting killed. And I know you've subcontracted the offense out to Eric Bienemy, who everybody thinks deserves a head coaching job. But you average 13 yards. You average your 13th in the league in yards per attempt rushing. And yet you're 30th in the league in, in attempting rushing. You might want to think about walking in the offensive coordinator's room and saying, look, I know you want to throw it every down. I know you want to be like Andy Reid, but we're not – you don't have Patrick Mahomes or do we have that line. You're going to have to protect the line. You're going to have to slow the game down because your defense isn't any good either. So at some point, since you're not coaching offense or you're not coaching defense, you're going to have to get complimentary in what you're doing. I mean, you've been very fortunate. You beat Atlanta, you had 193 yards of offense. Yesterday you had 273, most of them coming on the last drive of the game. And the fact that kid hasn't turned the ball over but three times in the last three weeks after all these sacks is somewhat remarkable. So at some point, you're gonna to have to figure out how to manage the game around what you have as so poorly with your offensive line. You're gonna to have to do that quickly because you know Josh Harris is gonna make a change. You gotta know that. Because he didn't buy and spend $6.05 billion to inherit a mess, and right now it's a mess.
4: This next one, I'm personally like very excited to see what you have to say. Caleb Williams steps into the office today, Michael. And I feel like sometimes when your tires are pumped so much, maybe it just gets to the point where the tire explodes. And for Caleb Williams, a minus 450 favorite, to be the number one overall pick next year, he's a reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Their playoff hopes are now up in smoke after these last two losses, most recently to Utah this weekend. And... In addition to the losses, Caleb Williams maturity character been questioned a little bit, made some outlandish comments recently, not shaking hands with the Utah players after the game. And you have analysts like Emmanuel Ocho out there who are suggesting he should sit out the rest of the season to protect his draft stock. There is a lot going on in the mind of Caleb Williams right now. What does he need to hear to actually lead up to the draft and go where he wants to go?
5: Well, I would say this to him: Nobody wants to take a selfish player on their team. Nobody wants a problem. And your behavior is being evaluated with every step you take. You, every time you step on the field, your behavior. You can listen to Acho all you want. He does not know anything about what's going on around the league. You want to take the, If you want to quit on your team. That's going to send a message to everybody. One thing you got to know for more than anything is there's no player the most valuable. I don't know who's giving you advice, but it's probably not the best advice. And you're no lock to be the first pick overall in the draft. I think people are finally recognized that when you play against good level of competition, your numbers have gone way down. So you're going to need to listen to the truth at some point. You might think everything's wonderful, but as you know, the NFL isn't wonderful. And players have a hard time adapting to their teammates if they're not selfless and humble. And I think that's something you need to work on, and people are going to watch that. Nobody wants to take on a problem. And if you're the best player in college football, how come you can't beat Utah? How come you? it takes everything in your power to beat Arizona? How come you can't go into Notre Dame and win? Those are the questions you're going to get hit with. Nobody wants to take on your problems.
4: Humble's not a word I feel like a lot of people have used to describe Caleb Williams as of late. I feel like he's been more and more unlikable um, week to week. Yep. Last one here real quickly, Sean McDermott. Obviously a lot of defensive injuries. What can you tell him to kind of right the ship for this group in Buffalo?
5: Sean, I, the first thing is you know you win. Your offense sets your defense up to play well. you got to get more out of pass rush. you got to get Floyd. you got to get Mavon Miller going. But the most important thing you got to do is figure out how to start the game fast and how to get the lead quickly. That's going to be critical. Playing from behind is not in your best interest defensively. You know that, and I know it. You're going to have to figure out that. And you're going to have to win with your offense to help your defense.
4: Unfortunately, he didn't get that advice beforehand for me to cash my ticket yesterday. So I'm a little bit bitter, Michael. No, great stuff as always. Telling the people what they need to hear after what was a weird weekend in college football in the NFL. We're going to step aside here real quickly. When we return, v zone own Mike Pritchard going to join the program, get some of his thoughts on the weekend that was, as well as an opinion and play for Monday Night Football. Don't go anywhere. This is the Lombardi line on v Sin and DraftKings Network. Mm-hmm.
3: NFL executive Michael Lombardi.
4: Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way, VSIN is here to make you a more informed, better year round. You can check out those betting splits for every game at vcin.com. And that kind of leads us into our pro tip of the day here on the Lombardi line. We do these every single show at the network, Michael. But we talked a lot throughout the course of the last two hours about, you know, some of the takeaways and things we learned from the games this past weekend. And it's very much so a week to week league and who's starting to separate themselves. But also from a betting perspective that, Sometimes when you have an opinion and it also happens to be the opinion of everything else, everywhere else that you hear it, maybe tread carefully a little bit when your opinion is on par with the masses and specifically the public, as we come off that betting splits read.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal. Unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
2: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
5: There's a really good book to read called Wisdom of the Crowds, which is basically about when you are in the group, when you are a majority thinking. And that basically, if you're not thinking independently, you're probably going to be making a mistake. And all week long, from my experience, I love the Chargers. It was the first thing I looked at the board on Monday and said, why is that line five and a half? There's something wrong. These games are always close. The book's not stupid, right? The book just doesn't throw numbers out, you know? And when I ran my numbers, Stormy, when I ran my numbers last week, my numbers for the game were I had the Chiefs should have been favored by 6.27. I ignore it. I ignore it. And I just continue to collect data to support my thesis that this is going to be a close game, and they usually play well when they go back into Arrowhead and all that. And so one one of the picks I took for Russo were the Chargers, and I lose. And I think to me, when I, and then all week long, no one was playing the Chargers. There was no money on the, on the, there were no money on the Chiefs whatsoever. On Sunday morning, when I was getting ready for the show, I look up the numbers and I see, you know, I, I see the, uh, I see the, I always try to look at who's not being, who's not being bet. And naturally, it's not the chart. I think that the Chiefs had 13% mm-hmm. of the money in. And they cash. And so I fell for it. Now, sometimes we saw this earlier in the year where if you were on the side of the public, you were winning. But lately, like just as an example, okay, everybody wants to know what's the consensus in the, in the circa contest, right? Bill AD, he puts it out in the morning email on Sunday morning, let everybody know. Here's what all the people that are betting in the million contest, here's who they like. They went one and four. The least amount of teams that got bet were four and one indy, denver, san francisco, atlanta, they all got they all made money. The only one out there is minnesota. So, I think you get, what 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 the point of the betting tip here is is because of all the data you're getting. You're not John Q public. You don't have to be with the public. You know the betting splits. And it doesn't matter this notion about being a professional gambler. And be or a sharp as they call them is ridiculous, right? Profe- all the professional people do is they make a living at doing it, right? <laughs> they don't really know any more than anybody else does. They just make a living at it and they play the numbers and they all do that. So when you look at all the data, you can be one too. And if you're on the side of the of the house, you're probably in a better position than you are on the side of the public and the wisdom of the crowd
4: right they say they say the house always wins vegas always wins right how does vegas get these numbers right it's it's for a reason and i, I like the last part of that pro tip if you're thinking the same way as everyone else you're not thinking at all and with the nfl divergent thinking can sometimes be the best way to become profitable in a sport that is very very hard to bet because there are so many of those data points and so much information out there again v pro tips available right. at Vison.com. Um, but so let's push that forward then michael to tonight in sunday night football and we see that number moving with the San Francisco 49ers as a seven point favorite 79% of the handle 80% of bets coming in on the San Francisco 49ers does that mean that we're gonna do the unthinkable and back Kirk Cousins in primetime on Monday night? I don't don't know. So what's your view on this game? Actually, real quickly, before we get that, I'll just give the injury updates all around. Um, Debo Samuel out at least two weeks with a hairline fracture in his shoulder. Christian McCaffrey technically questionable, but he said he feels good and he wants to go as his linebacker Greenlaw. Also questionable. Trent Williams went from optimistic about his return. He is doubtful for Minnesota. Their guard Ezra Cleveland is out. Um, Wide receiver James Jalen Naylor and corner uh, Caleb Evans, both questionable. So that's the latest. How are you looking at this game?
5: Well, I think this most significant injury for the 49ers isn't Debo Samuel. It isn't even if McCaffrey didn't play. It's, it's Trent Williams at left tackle. That that's significant because he is he's got to block Danielle Hunter. He's got to block some rushers, and the ball we know is going to come out quick. But still, there's going to be a moment where you have to be able to do that. Look, this team played the Chiefs. They held them to 27 points. The Chiefs scored. Uh, not that the Chiefs were explosive. The longest play in that game was 33 yards by Justin Watson. But I, I think to me, there's sometimes when the public's on a side and the sh- and the professionals are on a side and I don't feel good about it, I think you pass. Like, I did not like the Colts. I was not going to take the Colts, but I sure as hell wasn't taking the Brownies, (laughs) right? I sure as hell wasn't taking the Brownies because I wasn't comfortable with them. And so you just pass on the game. You just put, you know, this I'm not. To me, this was one of those games I looked at playing at home. It's always hard in a dome. It's a fast track. You know, Minnesota does, but without without Jefferson – if the, without Jefferson, it makes this game a lot harder for Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins in primetime, I lean towards laying the points here because I think the Niners will play better. But, yes, yeah, all that being said, I don't trust that big number, especially late. I would probably pass. If, I, if you force me, I will take the Niners. I think the Niners will play good. I think it's going to be hard for Minnesota's offensive line to block this front.
4: Yeah, I agree. And you can tell that the Vikings the Vikings really have missed Justin Jefferson really struggled to move the ball, even against the bears last week. And you have KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison, who's a a rookie, but he's just not there yet. You know, you can see the talent that he's going to do really, really well in this league at some point, but just not there yet. No run game really to speak of for this team. Uh, Everything's showing up 49ers for me, but I too, like I don't feel comfortable laying that number right now. Maybe if you can find a six and a half still, although those are largely gone, that could be the way you approach it. And, From a prop betting perspective, with Debo Samuel out, do you think, Michael, there could be opportunity to back a Brandon Ayuk in this spot, maybe George Kittle in this spot? We know how he performed the last time that the 49ers were in prime time. Any other angle there to capitalize on, maybe?
5: You know, one thing about Brian Flores, you know he's from the Belichickian school where he's going to try to take Ayuk out of the game. I mean, he's got some matchup issues, right? I think the kid that always gets sneaky gets plays is Jennings fifteen. I think he and Ronnie Bell could have a good day. I mean, Ronnie Bell I think's been really good for him. Uh, and so you know, with Debo hurt, you know who's going to fill it? Jennings is a starter. Ray Ray McLeod's the returner. I would I would lean towards I would lean towards maybe Ronnie Bell whatever his over total would be. And, you know, I think to me, they're going to try to run the ball, reduce the game, because without Trent Williams at left tackle, whether they start, I don't know if they're mm-hmm. going to put Pryor over there or if they'll start Jalen Moore, I think that's problematic for them. I really do. I think that hurts their offense as they go forward. So my sense of it is, is I think I would play Ronnie Bell, whatever his overtotal is. total is.
4: I don't and see. what did I
5: have this game at, Stormy? I had this game as a San Francisco, Minnesota. I had it as a 6.01 game.
4: Okay. So, yeah, that's pro- more in line than if you were to see the six and a half, the seventh a little bit out of that range now for San Francisco. Yeah. I'm My hope is, you know, after the weather game that they had last week against Cleveland, where, I mean, the Browns defense had to stand on their head still to cause San Francisco problems, and they had an opportunity to win the game at the end, had it not been for Jake Moody being allowed to be an NFL kicker in this league, but you know, neither here nor there. Um, they, like They still had an opportunity to win that game, and I feel like now in a dome, in a position where you're angry you're frustrated coming off the loss you do have at least like I said Christian McCaffrey back out there which is really important I feel like they should get it done but to your point sometimes passing is the best option we're giving two pro tips in one today sometimes the best bet is no bet at all (laughs) and that's okay that's okay I know people Mm -hmm. don't want to hear it they want picks they want this and that but sometimes the best bet is no bet at all and in this case maybe that's the angle that we have to roll with or like Pritch was talking about earlier if it could be a teaser leg for you that you are already had paired with something else or if you're looking ahead to week eight you can still play it from that standpoint as well um but michael great show as always today my friend uh monday is always cruise because there's just so much yeah wow it's
5: fast (laughs) Now we go on the net week eight. I mean, it's going by yeah. way too fast. It's like my grandkids are going up too fast. This season's going too fast.
4: Yes, I, I was looking at my notes today. I was like, college football week nine already? Week eight in the NFL? Yeah. How did we get here? Uh, good luck with your bets today. Coming up next on DKN, Pablo Torre and the Sharp Money Crew on VSYN.
3: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.